What's up, guys? It's Bree, and thank you so much for tuning in to my podcast. I appreciate you for listening and tuning in. I wanted to take the time today and talk a little bit more about my books. Uh, we are still in the pre-order phase, and we still have a little bit more time before the official release. And so if you haven't already got your pre-ordered copies of Letters to My Molester and Letters to Inmate number 127039, go ahead and go over to my website, www girlstop.org and get your pre-order copies um on the upon the official release the pre-order copies will be shipped so just go ahead um and click the normal uh standard shipping and you can get your pre-order copies um i want to take a little bit more time and talk about them because i haven't and i think that's very imperative for those of you who aren't aware of what what has happened and what is going on i wanted to give you some background because i think it's imperative um, so my first work, Letters to Inmate number 127039, that is a book that is a dialogue between my aunt and I as she did time in prison. My aunt and I hadn't talked in over in over a decade for sure. And uh, I was a little girl the last time I seen her. And the next time I seen her, I was a sophomore in college, uh, returning sophomore in college rather. And it was on her mugshot that I seen. It was for um, a prison a county jail, whatever, in Florida, and um, it was just maximum security. It was a, a horrible, uh, first of all, her, her mugshot was like horrific because it's not the woman that I remembered as a little girl. She was doing time because they had tried to pin her with trafficking. Uh, I don't know the official term, but basically trafficking drugs, um, over 100 pounds of marijuana. And so a lot of people were like, oh, your auntie was like a kingpin. Like your auntie was like a millionaire. Like, because if you know anything about drugs, well, they are costly. <laughs> and so anyway, um, I didn't know um, how to reach out to her. I wanted to reach out to her. My heart went out to her upon seeing that picture. And uh, there's a backstory as to how. I even learned and that's in the book but anyway um as you can imagine I reached out via a letter um I wanted to call her but I didn't rec I didn't know if there was like a certain amount of time that we had to be on the phone and I was just completely clueless and so I, I thought a letter was perfect because I was like if she doesn't want to write me back she doesn't have to but she knows my heart and so the book is a dialogue of our conversations back and forth during her time in prison now the thing about this work is that it's not just Oh, cute little letters back and forth for me and my auntie during her time in prison and up until the time she got out. Like, no, the beauty of this work is we were allowed to see Christ move on her behalf through a letter. And we understood the magnitude of letters and writing and exchanging because of the way that that lifestyle and that the, the prison mentality is, you know, a lot of people forget about people that are in prison because they're out of sight and out of mind because they're um, taken away from society. They're locked up. Nobody really wants to go in and you can't get out until your time is served unless you go through all of these processes and systems and all these different things. So when you're living your day to day life, you don't think about people who are in jail because you don't see them. And it's really hard. I mean, it's really easy, excuse me, to forget people um, who are incarcerated. And so my heart, I grew a heart of compassion for prisoners. So when I, I told my auntie, I said, you have an amazing story and I want to put it in some letters. And I said, I want to write a book. I told her, I was like, I want to write a book about it. And so, but I don't want it to just be like a memoir of your time there. Like the same hope and the same Christ, the same life, hope and salvation and prayers that you found comfort and solace in and the God that you found during your time 
time. I want that for every prisoner. I thought about how many people don't have somebody that's writing them. How many people don't have anybody that has money to put on their books? How many people don't have a connection to the outside world? I remember my auntie asking me about uh, giving her a magazine because she was like, you would be surprised how something as small as a magazine makes a difference in this world. I mean, just some of the chilling factors of her circumstance and situation just continue to blow my mind. And I, and I, my heart went out because even though she made it out and thank God she did. And I mean, when you read the book, you will learn about her triumphs and defeats and lows and highs as she was in. However, there are people who are still there. There's still a whole lot of people there. So I crafted this book because I wanted it to go back into as many prisons as possible. I wanted it to um, really connect to those people who are there and I wanted them to find Christ. They need to find that peace and that comfort in that dark and lowly place. I remember her describing solitary confinement as in the hole. I remember her telling me about how the smell and the scent and the night screams and the night terrors. I remember her telling me about how it's always 65 degrees and it's, it's always cold. And I remember her just describing to me how, you you know, the dogmatic beast like nature of being in prison. I've never been to prison before. I've never been to jail before. But one thing I do know and believe is that God is amazing and that anywhere his word says that if we make our, our bed in hell, he's there. If we ascend to the heights, he's there. So wherever we lay our head, wherever we find ourselves in life, there's no place that God can't be. There's no place that God's grace can't extend. There's no place that he is unqualified. His hand is not too short. His ear is not too deaf to hear the cries of those people. And so that's why I created this book because I wanted it to go in back into the prisons and I want to create a space and a place for people who, um, don't have that person that's reaching out to them, that's praying for them, that's sending love and care packages and all those different things. A lot of people have issues with this. Um, and I want to address that right quick. A lot of people have issues with this because they're like, they, they did the crime, they should do the time. Well, let's just be honest. Everybody that's doing time is not guilty. Some of those people are actually innocent, okay? So that's the first debunking of that mentality because I've heard that before. Secondly, if they if they did do the crime, the the name of the system is a corrections facility. There's supposed to be some correcting of behavior based upon the system that's set around doing serving time. Right. Well, the issue is that because of politics and money and systematic injustices, there's not a whole lot of correction going on. Um, you can set somebody in a hole for a certain amount of time. You can put them there for the rest of their life. That doesn't mean that they are correcting their mentality. They're correcting their behaviors. They're correcting the decision-making processes that led them to a life to do or commit all of these various crimes. Because you got everything, when you're talking about people who are locked up, you got everything from misdemeanors to felons to life sentences, um, death row, all of these different variables. And so unless you are or the system rather is intentional about correcting and not babysitting or housing. So just to not defy people's basic human rights, there is actually no correcting going on. So one thing that I loved about my aunt's story is that I was able to witness her process of actually correcting and changing and deciding to make uh, life altering decisions. Um when she was, when she first got in and from the time she got out, she was a completely different woman. And I don't think that you just sit somebody in a dark room and close the door and lock them in a cage and say, Hey, change your mind about what you did. No, I do not think that that is the way I do not think that that is effective. And I think that that can be proven time and time again, as you look at repeat offenders.
when if that was the case, if if the system was um, amazingly effective, um, then you wouldn't have repeat offenders. So my heart, again, is to allow Christ to enter into a time where I told my auntie, I said, life has stopped for you. You are separated from your kids. You're separated from your family. You're not working there. You have no concept of what's going on on the world outside of you. Technology is changing. Information is moving. Things are advancing. But your whole life is at a complete standstill. And I want it more than anything for my auntie to understand that because of this, I don't look at it as a dark and a lowly and an awful place to be in. No, rise up and take control of who you are and really get close to Christ. Allow him to muse your mind, muse your decisions, wash you on the inside out. Allow this time to just soak up the word and soak up his presence because even in the midst of all that darkness, there's light on the inside of you. And that is one thing that I want every single prisoner, no matter what six digit number, letter combination is across their chest. I want them to have that opportunity to know that and I don't care if you're serving a year's term, seven months, 14 years, whatever the case may be, that God is with you always, even to the ends of the earth. So because of that, I wrote letters to inmate number 127039. Um, again, you can go ahead and get your pre-order copies because it's an amazing work. Um, I'm not saying it's amazing because I wrote it, but I'm saying it's amazing because of the the impact that it can bring. I'm not able to write every single prisoner and every single prison in every single uh penitentiary in every single state and you know i'm not capable physically by myself to do that however i can push to get this message of christ into those prisons and that will be a lot easier and a lot more effective um because some people will reject jesus and that's just the truth some people don't want to hear about god some people may not want to hear about god some people may not want to read the book but they'll have it and that's the key thing they will have the answer and they will know you know as God works and moves on their heart that as they pick up the book and as they read it, I firmly believe that they will know Christ as their Lord and Savior and they will allow him to help them to get through that time of their life. So as you can tell, I'm passionate, clearly. And I, it won't just stop here. I, I believe it's a champion, a life championing of my cause to uh, to empower people um, through prison ministry. So that is letters to inmate number 127039. I hope that that was a little bit more insight for that book. And I hope that you'll go over to my website again, www.girlstop.org and go ahead and get your pre-order in Girl Stop Shop. The other work that I wrote is called Letters to My Molester. This work is a different type of work. Um, when writing letters to inmate um, number 127039, I was constantly dealing with her being physically captive and being bound and all these limitations. I can't, you know, can't send her certain things, can't write. I just found like in all these different ways she was captive, she was bound, right? Well, in writing that, I soon learned as I got to the end of that work that she was not the only one captive. I too was captive uh, spiritually, emotionally. And as I delved deeper into myself, I learned I was captive and bound in a whole lot of other ways that I did not even recognize psychologically, relationally, financially, socially, all of these different ways that the experience that I had as a high schooler affected negatively and impacted the life in the beginning of my young adult days. Letters to My Molester is a book where I write clearly a letter to my molester, but the title was called Letters because it was uh, engulfing in experience. In order for me to heal completely, I really had to write more than just him. 
had to write a whole bunch of people that had a lot to do with both the forgiveness piece and both the freedom piece. There were people who walked with me along the journey um, to uh, help me understand who I was and who I was not because the situation put on me who I was not. It showed me what I did not want, what I didn't have control of, uh, what I didn't have a decision or a say so in. And and the people who I thank along the book, they showed me who I was and what I was not because of what happened to me. A lot of the book is predicated on two things. It's either predicated on forgiveness or gratitude because of the two things that were consistent in my healing process to come out of that. One thing I positioned the book kind of um, to speak to, uh, to kind of like, walk through a room that holds the files of darkness and pain and everything that was connected to that situation. I'm sitting, imagine walking in a room, it's dark and you turn on the light and there's a rocking chair and there's all these files with all this information and they have all these different variables and all these different dependents and all these different covariants that explain and connect to and, and they, they line out every trigger and they write out every thought and they lay out every emotion and they, and they document every single cry and they document every single tear and every single fetal position and every single blackout and every single time you passed out and every time the lawyers called and every time you were at an event and every time that you wanted to be in a relationship and every time you wanted to trust again imagine walking into that place sitting down with the person that molested you and laying it all out that is what letters to my molester is i i walk through um in so many ways uh my experience from the people who helped and the people who hurt and the beauty of it all is that I win yes I win I conquer I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb by the word of my testimony I am free and my heart with this book is to allow other women other boys other girls other people who have walked this life um to be free as well. I found freedom in writing. The, a lot of people want to know like, well, why did I release this? Why would I write a book about this? Why would I share my story? Well, this is the truth. The freedom for me was in writing. The healing for me was in writing, but the healing for other people, that was in me releasing because as long as I held on to my own freedom and I held on to my own story and I held on to my own process, it's only healing for me. But by packaging it in a work and releasing it to the world, that is freedom from other people. It gives people voice it gives people language it gives people hope because I talk about my therapist I talk I talk about all the different aspects of what I went through in each letter because I write specifically to the person every letter starts out a letter to and because of a letter to and it inserts the person now because of copyright reasons and because of legalities and things like that and because of the nature of the situation I had to omit a lot of information there's a lot of details that I couldn't get because it would make me liable there's names specific locations uh, details um, I think one 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 detail for instance uh, that comes to my mind when I describe my therapist in the rough draft and I can't tell you exactly what I said because then I would still be liable but <laughs> when I describe my therapist in the rough draft I, I was like I still remember your stature and I still remember when you turned the corner and I remember the details of your face well I actually typed out the details of his face because I remember the very first time I seen him however that language is too descriptive because because a lot of my life is public you can see where I played ball in North Alabama and then I played ball at South Alabama then I coached at South Alabama and you can see where I got my degrees from like a lot of my life is online and is available it would be real easy to connect some dots and y'all understand that we live in a technology technologically savvy world where um um, 
it's not hard to, to find information about people. And so because of that, uh, there's a lot of information that I had to omit. And even then, there was still a lot of information that I had to admit. And there still will be some people who will be able to connect some dots to my past simply because they know me. And quite frankly, I'm not afraid of that. A lot of people are, you know, are you ready for that? Or is that what you want to do? And it's not even about that. It's what I have to do. It's literally what I have to do to complete the call that God has on my life. It's literally what I have to do and to, uh, to allow other people to experience the fullness of the healing that I did. My goal and my life mission and purpose is to give people beauty for the ashes and the oil of joy for their mourning and to set, to, to bring freedom for the captive. That's, that's literally what I'm created to do. And putting all that together, my life assignment is to help people find the words. And what better way to package my own words in a, in a work of literature so that I can give to them. A lot of people, some people I let, you know, read this, read parts of this, talk about it before I actually publish it. Because I wanted to make sure that I was doing, you know, a good thing. And I wanted to make sure that, it, you know, I know people won't believe me. I know people will think it'll be fairy tale because I have a very, very clear memory, a very vivid memory. And so some of the descriptions almost sound story like and they almost sound fictional. And I understand that. But what I want more than anything is for the girl or the guy who's been through that, who needs language, who needs voice, who needs courage, who needs a reason that they can pick it up and see, you know, what I did. And a lot of one of the people that I asked to kind of that I ran the idea by and I ran the content by. The lady responds to me and she said, well, what are you going to do? Something like that makes me want to do something. It makes me, I can't just read that and just put that. That makes me, if I'm in that situation, that makes me want to do something. So what are you going to have? What are you asking people to do? What do you, what do you want them to do behind that? And I explained to her, I said, you know, I hadn't thought about that. So now I'm in the works of, of, um, making kind of a healing manual, if you will, that will help the girls, help the guys, help the people um, that need a little bit more structure in their process of healing, that need to be to need to be diligent and consistent at going back into their dark places, not because they're forced to and because it was forced on them, but no, they're going back because they're in control and they're regaining the power that was stripped from them. And that is what I want. That is what I want for those people. That is what I want for the next generation of women who are in the Me Too movement who are fighting to be heard and not only to be heard but to be listened to who have cries who are crying out to be saved and rescued from a dark and a low and a sinking place because of what was forced upon their body that infected their mind their heart their will their emotions their finances their sociality their relationships everything about them so that's what I desire so again that's about letters to uh, Mama Lester. You can go over to my website, www.girlstop.org, and you can click um, on Girl Stop Shop, and you can get your pre-order copy of Letters to Mama Lester as well as Letters to My MA. As you can see, these are two topics that I can literally go on and on and on about, um, but I won't because I want you to read the book. I can talk about them all day, but you need to read them. And I, when you go read them, give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. And... Um, 
even though I will be talking about my works more, I'll still be back some to uh, discuss with you all uh, the remainder of all of our podcasts. But we had to, you know, kind of get off topic because I was doing some things in my life. And it's important that, you know, you chase your dreams and you believe in your dreams. And you go after what you've been called to do. So I love you all. I hope that you have an amazing, fantastic, fabulous day. And I hope to hear from you very soon. Send me an audio message. Send me a DM. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you're feeling, your experience. And let me know what you want to hear about and I will chit chat with you later. Peace, love and hair grease.